They have too many houses. They are literally tearing them down to try and bolster the housing yeah. market there. They're just manipulating it. Like they're literally playing like SimCity, like cut Fair these down. things, cut these, cut these things, throw people in jail. Like you're just like, it's literally that, but it's real life. You know, they're gonna go extreme. They have to tear down. And they have plans for 75 million people, but apartments to go down. How many? So the homes for 75 million people. So they maybe back that's two 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 people per home. So maybe 35 million apartments are gonna come down. Holy man. All right. Welcome to the Master Keys Podcast. I'm Chandler Halliburton. I'm Neil Andrino. Master Keys Podcast is a investment, a real estate investment podcast here in Atlantic Canada, number one in Atlantic Canada. Um, we are real estate agents and investors ourselves. We sold about $400 million plus worth of real Roughly. estate, and we have a combined 200 plus units worth tens of yep. millions of dollars. Uh, so we're doing this every day, and that's why we've got this program here to hopefully share some of that information with you guys. Neil, what's going on? Yeah, to help you guys. There's another thing I want to add is help you guys grow your portfolio. So hopefully we can add some stuff. We always say like or send us a comment, yep. send us a message what you want us to talk about because we're trying to help you guys grow. We were in a position where we grew on our own, and so we tried yep. to make this to help it so people could grow with other people. And we're building a community page that eventually get released where you guys can kind of all network with each other and kind of help each other grow their businesses. Yeah, so as always, like, follow, subscribe <clears throat> if you find anything of interest here. Don't forget to hit us up in the comments with questions. Crazy topics this week. We're going to continue to tackle the situation in China where they're literally demolishing mass blocks of real estate just <laughs> to try to save their butts from the pending doom. So we're going to well, unpack contrary that. to Canada. Yeah, and we're going to see how that can is, is going to influence or impact us even further. Uh, we're also going to talk about a big story out there, the debt forgiveness, uh, student debt forgiveness down the States. Could that possibly be coming to Canada? And what do we even feel about this? Biden's I, throwing that cash. He's throwing that cash around. Uh, I'm still I'm, I'm still processing that and, and how I feel about it. And then lastly, we're going to go into, like you mentioned, um, you know, this is about bringing it home and thinking about how all this stuff is impacting us. The Canadian market, what are our predictions for Q4? If you're an investor, if you're a homeowner, you need to, to listen and be part of those conversations as we start thinking about what the predictions will be for Q4 and what the experts are saying. Yeah, so what are the experts saying, man? That's what we want to know. So we got all that stuff here for you guys. So before we jump into it, I yeah. want to say thanks, everyone. We hit the 100 likes on that episode. We asked you guys for it. So we're going to do the conspiracy episode next week. Chandler and I have lots of things brewing. We're yep. back and forth in our DMs with all sorts of random Get the crazy ideas. Ready, yeah, baby. exactly. We should definitely wear tinfoil caps for that. Um, this episode, we're going to do another thing. So we're going to go for 100 likes again, guys, if you can do that. Um, if we hit 100, we're going to randomly select one person, give them a 100 bucks. Boom. And Boom. Yeah, look at that. That's Grillo, that cheddar. And one free month on the Patreon. Um, so please do it. We're going to try and pick somebody by the end of the week. So let's do a little faster this time. Um, and again, thanks for it. We're also going to pick somebody from this last hundred. We said we're going to give them a phone call and chat about their portfolio or their investing journey. Yeah, we're well, so actually going to announce that on today's episode. Brad's going to hit us up with the name of the person randomly selected that uh, we're going to connect with you and, and talk shop, talk real estate, talk whatever you want. Thanks so much. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple I. What's it called? Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcasts. Come on. Wherever you're listening to it, if you can hop onto YouTube for two seconds, hit that like. You can see, man, we're trying to... The algo, man. We're, we're, we're slaves to the algorithm. Oh, yeah. But when you guys like this, it really helps our exposure. It helps grow the community. And again, this time, you're going to 100 bucks and a free month subscription to the Patreon where there's all this extra wicked information. So please hit that like button. We really appreciate you guys. And we're going to do this this week. It's got to happen in one week. Next time for our episode where we talk about how to get your first down payment, it's just going to be liking all the Master Keys videos. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You can just mass like um, anyway, bucks wanna, the time. Let's jump into it. First piece of news I want to chat about is Mark Zuckerberg 
your boy, old two Joe, of your favorite boys, your boy together, all of my boys on Joe Rogan's podcast, <laughs> chatting about Meta because it's been kind of a dull point for a lot of people. It was all the hype. It was yeah. up two hundred percent every week, every week, every week, and now yeah. it's doing quite the opposite, and it's plummeting. And again, last week it went down another twenty percent. Um, Mark was on there talking all things about what it's going to be. He's talking about how things are going to be holograms in real life. Um, but one of the crazy ones that I thought that he was talking about. And this this makes sense because it's been so cartoony. I think that's what's been holding a lot of people back. Yeah, and he's a cartoony dude to be trying to usher in this thing. He's, he's a, a cartoony weirdo, dude. He's a bit of a weirdo. And but I think a lot of people look at it as a game. Like everyone's like, I'm not going to go in the metaverse. Like it's, it's a joke. But he's talking about they've spent five billion dollars now designing new headsets. Well, and a bunch of other things, but new headsets that are going to record your facial expressions and then put them on the people like your avatars within the game, which is like literally like the movie Avatar. Uh, if you remember correctly, right, yeah, they yeah. would go in those tubes and then they would get like rebuilt and it would follow all of his facial expressions and, and do that within uh, the Avatar world. And so they're looking to do that now with the new headsets, which will make it hopefully a lot more realistic. And, and this is saying. a key, this is them trying to get back to the news cycle. I don't know, man, do you, like is Facebook kind of dead? I No, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of emerging markets where people are still just getting onto it. I okay. think the older generation... Uh, like a lot of the, like probably 40, 50 plus, like they're all on Facebook. And again, that's a big spending market. Like I look at- It's not as big as the under 40 spending market. No, but I would say the ratio of spend mm. for those people, like when they're on there is higher. Um, I think per person, it's definitely higher. Because you think? You, yeah, yeah. If you, like when you look at like, and they're also like targeted ads, right? Like when you look at what yeah, an yeah. ad's worth to them, like it's actually going to have an impact. Um, and then Facebook's not just Facebook, right? They own Instagram, which owns. I know, but like, is Instagram's kind of struggling a little bit too? Yeah, but when TikTok gets banned, Instagram will pop off. Is TikTok going to be banned? So these are the questions. <laughs> is TikTok going to be banned? I don't, I don't know. Instagram's Man. doing pretty good, I think. And but then he's put a lot in this metaverse thing. He is. He, he has delved like completely. Like this is their focus. I mean, they've renamed to Meta, and they are going full into it. The scary thing is, I don't think anyone totally understands the meta, and not anyone, but I think a lot of people don't. And I think what Facebook or Meta is trying to do is being kind of the governing body and kind of the unlawful owner of the metaverse and a lot of the space. The access of, point, because they know that if, yeah, if this thing builds scary. out, be like, all right, how can I easily access this and navigate between these two things? Well, wouldn't Facebook be a really easy door into this space? And, you know, all those boomers who are on Facebook, all of a sudden he's going to be like, oh, you're also in the metaverse. And be like, what? I didn't know I was going to be on this thing. It's like, no, no, mm -hmm. you just are now. Mm -hmm. Right, um, so it's an immediate population dump into that space. But what were they talking about? Um, Just typing it up. Yeah, so he was basically like I said, he was trying to go over all the things that are going to be. Uh, available. So, like they said, they spent five billion last year in combating disinformation. So just on like basically publicizing the truth. Um, these new VR headsets, they say they're having a similar penetration rate that PlayStation and Xbox did when they first came out. Um, and then he talked about how a lot of things will be holograms and they're fixing a lot of like different, just everything, trying to cover it all and, and reduce, I guess, the misinformation and increase the confidence in it. Um, like I said, the biggest thing for me is I just saw those Man. headsets where they're going to record your face and paint it on there. And I was like, holy God, this is so, so sketchy. But it, in some ways, it's going to be kind of neat it could be really really cool and like i think i i truly believe that it's going to take over like i am a strong believer they'll take over because you can mm. reinvent yourself there work yeah. from home will be so much easier like it'll that's going to be the thing like work from home there. and obviously as agents and just previewing properties and the idea of like all right what if i wanted to go down south and look at a property i'm not going to fly down there i could actually just go down there and these virtual tours are getting pretty damn good as it is um and that's sort of a meta experience but imagine if you could actually you know, walk through the space truly. Like some of these tours that you can get now are incredible, but 
um, the meta version of it could could even be just that much better, uh, especially if it could somehow be replicated almost like live. I was thinking about like, like sports events. Like, why not? Is, why is there not just like a meta live stream from courtside at Madison Square Garden, right? Like you could be sitting there and they could just have this thing where. You know, you're besides that's Spike, gonna pull a lot right? of people in. Oh man, like that's that I think is, is is untapped there. But then it's like, well, then why would you actually go to the event live? And this is my sort of thing. And you can look at this in a lot of uh, similarities to like super realism in art. Like it got to the point where, you know, artists were getting so good at recreating reality that's like, well, if you're gonna make it the exact same, why not just take a photo? Obviously, like there's the skilled component of the painting, but that's also why some of this push against that, be it like pop art or like avant-garde or, or expressionism or whatever it was evolved out of the fact of, act of um, you know, if you're just going to recreate it exactly, um, why do we even need that if it already kind of exists and, and doing something more abstract and different? So, I don't know, man. That stuff's weird. I don't, I don't want, we don't want to digress too far, but a couple things. When you go to a sporting event, the cost is enormous. There's a re reason people watch them on TV. There's a reason people do pay-per-view. Um, the other thing is, the big one for me is everyone's like, why would I want to spend my social time on there? But we already do. When we play video games... Like, I know lots of groups of guys that get together and that are in their 20s and 30s. We Man. may play games to be social. And if you can now do it at a higher level, I it showed, makes a ton of sense. I showed a property last night, and it's always awkward when even it's tenant-occupied. What's that? Even a showing. Well, even a showing could be done that in the metaverse. But I, I did a showing last night, and, and it was tenant-occupied, so they were all there. And, like, the dad was posted up doing some sort of you know, first-person experiential game. I don't know yeah. if it was Warcraft or... I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't, I, don't, I don't game. But he was doing something. He was in the zone just ignoring me as I walked through their space. And then the kid was in his bedroom doing the same thing. Yeah. Right? Like, so this is multiple generations that were just ignoring me, ignoring the rest of their family, ignoring everything that was going on, um, and just walking through these virtual spaces. So... Um, but if they're playing games together in some ways, yeah, it's not the same as playing bonding. Yeah, it's so not the same as throwing catch. catch. Yeah, but like it's still it's still a bonding in some ways. But anyways, Dad, you focus. never you never play online with me. <laughs> anyway, all right, um, let's other, get into some some actual real estate stuff. What do you got? Um, do you want to go through our, our news topics? Yeah, let's yeah. do. Um, this one uh, is kind of on on a lighter note. Um, the Harbor Hopper, or not the Harbor Hopper, Theodore Tugboat. Who is near and dear to us Nova Scotians? Now he's in Ontario. He's in he's in Hamilton Harbor right now. Um, and he's going up on Airbnb. No way. Dead serious. Theodore oh, Tugboat man. in Hamilton Harbor is going on Airbnb. I'm probably gonna go. Um, it's uh, sleeps up to five, three bedrooms. Where? Three bedrooms. Yeah, man. These tugboats are pretty big, man. They're not tiny. I know. Three I, bedrooms. I, I, one of them has a, a set I of bunk beds. I may have inebriatedly snuck onto it one night. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and it's actually starting, because it, it is the Theodore 2, it's going to be starting at $22 a night, which is really reasonable, and it's actually part of a charitable endeavor, like that money's going towards a charity. Um, but as Nova Scotians, that stings a little bit, right? You know, first That's of all, we lost Theodore to begin with, and then now he's just going to be there. He's going to be parked. Being just it was sold in a couple on years, Airbnb. He's going to be done. I'll tell you right now. This is the beginning yeah. of the end. $22 a night? That's not even going to cover the maintenance. Yeah, There's going to be so, no profits left to give away. <laughs> Yeah, I think they also will do like a boat tour with it. So again, I think it's part of a, of a charity push, but um, it's good to check in on our boy theater out there doing big things. Um, okay, well, I got another lighthearted one I'll give you. Yeah. A Minnesota realtor is suing a person, a Hamilton realtor. Hamilton, Hamilton is... The Hammer. Shout out to the Hammer if you're from Hamilton. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. He is... Guess what he's suing him for? Um, 
oh, I bet it's like copyright infringement because they're both realtors advertising the same way. Yes, exactly. Oh my god, I know because that's so read the petty, same news man. I read. No, I didn't actually. But, but that's guess, a guess what thing the, the, the thing is. It is the way uh, his pose. Shut up. So the Minnesota okay. realtor has a pose. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Did the, if you guys you can't have to see watch this, the video, Nielsen has his arms out. I have my arms stretched out. That is the pose. I'm doing it right now. So I blur it. Actually, we can't do this. We're gonna get. <laughs> so the realtor in Minnesota says that that's his pose, that's and the realtor in Hamilton is Stealing. copying the same pose. Yes. And the pose is essentially just the. I mean. Don't look too long. Yeah. Uh, Man, now I will say, I will say, digging into it a little further, uh, the Hamilton realtor went to a seminar of this Minnesota realtor guy's thing, and so he saw it, I guess, in the seminar, and then he started using it in his branding. But uh, it's pretty funny. And Just going like that, eh? Yeah, huh. but the Minnesota guy does have this plaster on the sides of buses. Really, man, um, it's hard to it's hard to um, lock in a pose like that. I think that'd be a hard thing to copyright, yeah. um, especially one as generic as that. I'm but. gonna do one of our thumbnail ones like those. Yeah, I know that I, you stole that from Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> um, man, on a uh, um, on a slightly darker note, um, I don't know if you saw this here in Nova Scotia. Um, a tenant was just sentenced to seven years uh, in the death of their landlord. I did, and to be honest with you, I didn't read all of it, but I don't think seven years is long enough. No, so well, but here's, I don't know the whole story. Yeah, he, so here's the context or? of the story. Um, the the landlord was actually renting these two folks a room in uh, his own house, mm-hmm. and they had an altercation over unpaid rent. Mm-hmm. I guess the landlord left the house and was walking away. The tenants uh, who were intoxicated got in their car and were driving after him, you know, yelling at him, trying to get him to come back to the house. A further argument ensued. And according to um, the statement by this individual who's now going to spend seven years in prison, he tried to swerve his car just to psych out the landlord, but because it was icy, accidentally uh, drove over the landlord. And so, you know, it's a terrible situation. And I, I know that the reason the sentence was so light is because mm. the guy was, you know, full of remorse and, and it was deemed to be accidental. But seven um, years seems really short. It seems really, awfully short. Really short. I'm not necessarily too. one that's like, hey, give him a life sentence because I understand it could be a mistake, but seven's like. You're 25, you run over a dude, and then you're up 32, and you're ready to just keep going. You did your time? I don't know. Like, that's... Man, a couple people sent this to me. Shout out to Bill. He, he's one of the, the, the people that sent it to me. But someone else sent it to me, and they're like, man, do you think this is because people hate landlords so much? Like, not the actual killing, I literally, but the lightness of the I, sentence. That's what I said. The second you sent that to me, I said, I bet you partially because he's a landlord, they, they were like, eh, well... But oh my god! In, in a real, in a real, and not actually, but like to an extent, I feel like it lightly plays in the mental, in your mental decision. Like I, I honestly really do. Yeah. Um. One thing I will say to anyone who is a landlord, it's not worth like going nuts for the rent. Like I say, oh to totally. All, all my guys, like if we're having an issue, just back off, follow the, the set rules, and if it gets to that point, like the police or sheriffs or whatever, it yeah. need, need be, it's not worth the rent. Like, Man, this guy was sense. renting a bedroom in. I can't remember, maybe Port Hawksburg. I can't even remember. You know, it, we're probably talking like a couple hundred bucks. Man, yeah. And now someone's in. It was interesting that the wording they chose because it seems like these were more roommates. Um, but perhaps because of everything that's going on, like they specifically identified as landlord tenant, but they obviously were living in the same space. It was kind of more of a of a roommate setup. But that's sketchy. Anyway, so um, yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna stay on the I'm dark not note. Cheering. Oh, okay, good. Not quite. We're leaning into it. Uh, that was pretty hard. That was pretty dark, but. Um, Reality, which probably I'd never heard of, 
Um, but it was a startup company uh, that had a business basically in California. I think it was a startup out of Israel. Uh, they operated in California, and their whole business model was that you could go out and shop for a house. Okay. And as a buyer, as assuming you already owned a house, and they would give you cash to buy the home because the market's so competitive they'd say we would give you the cash to buy your house so you'd buy your next house with cash and then they would help you sell your previous home to pay them back okay um now it was growing like mad no, so that would have been a great model for a short period of time well and so basically the idea was that they would they would check and see what your house was worth make sure you had the equity in it to actually pay them out uh, and then you'd go out and buy the next home and the idea was that you could their their logic was you could save on your next purchase because you're, first of all, you're more competitive, yeah. and oftentimes cash lower bids. lower yeah. price cash bids actually get accepted over 100%. Yeah. none. So they were like, you can save money there. It takes away a lot of the stress. And then they also had a lot of things to help you sell your home on the back end. Um, and they actually got into a $100 million valuation at 140 employees. Anyways, they just folded up shop. Man. and it That's just, a pretty quick turnaround from we're worth $100 bucks and we got 140 employees too. We're worth nothing, and we're shutting her down. Yeah. And, man, a lot of these startups in the real estate space, man, they do great in big markets, and they slow down as the market slows. Well, and the one thing I think that you see with a lot of the startups in the real estate market is it's really like in startup world, it's all about your numbers, like revenue and this and that. Well, when they talk about the amount of money that they lend or the numbers that they do, it's like, oh, yeah, we did $100 million, and you're like, holy crap. That's a hundred. That's a hundred houses. Yeah, yeah. In some markets, which is not, which is not crazy. In California, that that's a hundred houses, likely if not less. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So it's like that's not crazy. One agent, you do more than that in a year. Yeah. So it's like, do you get a hundred million dollar valuation as an agent? No, I should. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out all those investors if you're looking for your shares in my life. Um, But uh, don't joke about that. That's gonna be a thing someday. Anyways, but yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because we actually we've had some startups on here before, and there's always so many things that you see that are so hype and exciting that there's this new thing that's growing and exploding and. Um, they cited basically that with reduced volume, uh, new market conditions, interest rates, everything going on, that it wasn't favorable for them to keep going. But I also struggled to see where they were going to be able to make a fair bit of cash uh, during the process. And especially if they're relying on... It worked really well when everything's going up because they buy the next house. They assume you're going to get out of your house in a quick timeline. And you're going to make profit on your previous home. But when house prices are dropping... Like they buy a house and then the previous house is worth less and the house they just bought is worth less. They're actually also, really got to hope there's a ton of equity there to cover both ends of that. Yeah, that also deal. that whole model too is based on speed, right? Like how quickly can they turn these properties over? And yeah. for now, six months in a row, the volume of home sales in the States is down. Six yep. months in a row, right? So the homes are sitting on the market longer and longer. And when you've got that sort of money extended out there, um, you know, you're really exposed to risk. It doesn't take long for that to turn sideways, and it, it turns sideways. No, no real surprise there. Um, you're stretching your arms out kind of wide. I don't want I know. you to infringe I'm infringing on, on a copyright. copyright here. Right. Keep them in tight. Yeah. Keep them in tight. <laughs> oh, we're getting a little water delivery. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you want to get into our, our, our yeah, bigger topic? So let's we, get into some real shit here. We we popped off at the beginning there with the metaverse. Uh, again, uh, we're running this promotion right now. Where if this video gets a hundred likes, one of the people who like it is going to be randomly selected to get a hundred bucks and to get a free month on our Patreon. So if you're listening to this point, give it a like. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, pop over on the YouTube, give it a like, enter into the draw, hundred bucks. 
uh, and, and a month of Patreon. Um, so I want to turn now, man, if I can, here to the Chinese situation of everything's yes. going on with their economy. With it. um, it's not good news, and I've been stressing this, and I think it's really important for people to be uh, at least up to date on what's going on over there because it is going to impact us. They're the second biggest... Uh, economic powerhouse in the world based on GDP. They're also our second biggest trading partner. Like yep. Canada's second biggest trading partner, both import and export, is China. In 2020, it was something like we, I think we exported like 25 billion uh, to, to China and we imported like 75 billion. Like mm-hmm. that is a huge, huge amount. And that actually grew during the pandemic. It didn't contract during the pandemic. It actually grew. So they are a major trading partner for us, as they are with the entire rest of the world. So there's definitely a bunch of products that come into Canada that one way or the other originate in China because you know they are a producer of input items. A ton of immigrants, too. They, they have a lot of people that move from China that move here. Yeah, totally. So And that could have the counter impact because I think a lot of them are going to be trying to get out of China and, yep. and trying to get their money here to Canada, which could be beneficial to us. But in the short term, um, their challenges are going to become our challenges. And it just, the hits keep coming uh, for, for China. Most recently, and this is an issue over in, in Europe, too, these massive droughts. Right, and yep. they rely on a lot of like hydroelectricity over there, mm-hmm. um, especially in some of their industrial provinces that are effectively big manufacturing hubs for the entire world. And they're now having to do rolling blackouts, um, yep. both at factories and for individuals, um, you know, individual homeowners and small businesses and everything. So their consumer confidence is already in the toilet. Um, their businesses are already so everyone hemorrhaging. Everyone knows a rolling blackout is when they're literally shutting all the power off. So yeah. Just imagine the that you don't have power for a certain amount of hours every day. This is something that's hard for us to fathom here. It doesn't um, even make sense. But they just turn off the power switch. And in a factory, well, that means production grinds to a halt for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. It means that people aren't there spending money in their local economy. Like That has catastrophic you know, impacts for them locally. And then when it reaches the manufacturing hub, it crushes us. And, you know, it's going to trickle down over here. It's already started. And that comes on top of all of the property stuff that we already have been speaking about. It's insanity. The the one thing I want to point out, though, like just that you said about the immigration, the reason I think it would freeze up is not because people people want to leave, but the Chinese government, to keep their economy alive, will put a oh, yeah. lockdown on people leaving. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, you can leave, but all your money is frozen. They're already doing that, where yeah. all your money is frozen in the country. So it's like, it's like when those countries charge leave, you money to leave, leave when you're at the resort. Yeah. You got, you're going to get back in your plane, like, that'll be 200 bucks, please. Like, Damn it. <laughs> yeah, they have um, big taxes on leaving that country. The big thing, and you mentioned this earlier, that I thought was really, really interesting, and I was just reading about it, is like to fix their, like, we have an inventory crisis where we don't have enough homes. They have too many houses, and they're yeah. not accomplishing all of the projects that need to be finished. So they've now started tearing them down. So their fi- buildings that they had halfway finished or started and things like that, they are literally tearing them down to try and bolster the housing yeah. market there, which just sounds insane. And the thing that I'm just not registering in my dome is where, like, who's paying? Like, it, didn't someone, didn't a developer Man. spend the money to build the building? And then they're like, all right, we're just going to tear this down now. So, yeah, this, seven, this is wild. It's this housing wild. for 75 million people. It's so, not just like one building. There is, there's a, a pretty cool video circulating out there right now where they simultaneously demolish um, 15 high rises 
at the same time, and they just I've all yeah, crumble yeah. together. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Yeah. So basically, the idea here is that the market is now so oversaturated with these half-built structures that it's crippling the value of built homes. And we've seen this here in North America. I've talked about this before, I think, on the show. Detroit, when Detroit really collapsed, like, I, I don't know if some of these people have been to Detroit or not. Have you been to Detroit? I haven't. Like, it, uh, no. I, I went through I could not believe it. But it got to the point where housing was so cheap, and this went was when all their factories closed there. All their car manufacturing dried up, and, and, and Detroit, as a municipality, filed for bankruptcy. Um, they Their houses were so cheap that if you were a person trying to sell your home, the problem was your neighboring host was vacant and being sold for $7,000. And yep. two doors down, another host was vacant and being sold for $4,000. So how are you trying to sell your home for $40,000? And, and those are real numbers. This is how cheap this stuff was. So the city then went around and started demolishing all the abandoned houses to prop up the value of existing structures. And I was down there, and it was amazing. You'd have like occupied hosts, vacant, boarded up house, empty lot, empty lot, occupied house, empty lot, yeah. boarded up house. Like it was unreal. And it's the same sort of model that's happening right now in China. They are making this plan. Like the, the government has actually seized the assets of Evergrande and some of these other big companies and is trying to figure out what to do with their projects. And they're realizing that for the good of the market stability and the value of people who already own stock, they're going to demolish a lot of these buildings. So in both of those scenarios, is the government buying the property? Oh, in this case, I mean, because of Evergrande's situation, they've taken it. Their assets have well, been Well, yeah, Evergrande's like upside down, like a massively, yeah, yeah. so they're just basically taking over their stuff. In Detroit, yep. were they buying the properties? Uh, the properties had been effectively abandoned, uh, foreclosed on, and and then they're they're gone. Tax like, repoed. Yeah, they would be uh, probably equivalent here of like public trustee at that point. Interesting. Right? Um, and there's also the other issues, like they become, um, you know, potentially dangerous with the squatter situations, fires, etc. And this is part of the argument that they're making in China as well, is that these things are big environmental hazards just sitting there. Yeah. Um, so they're going to reduce them to rubble. And the biggest one that's coming down the pipeline is in like this province. I, I'm going to butcher the, the the pronunciation of this. But like the Hainan province, which is sort of like a beachfront Hawaiian sort of like vibe. Like it's it's a big destination. So Evergrande launched this massive project where they built an artificial island and, you know, with resorts and um, amusement parks and all this stuff. But there is an entire spread of apartment buildings that are going to be demolished. It's 39 buildings uh, in total. Um, and interestingly, the mayor who backed this project um, and passed it and all these things is now in jail for bribery for the rest of his life uh, because they take stuff seriously over in China. Uh, so that mayor who approved that project um, took bribes in order to get it across the finish line. We spoke about the corruption over there as well. He's now in in prison for life, but they are going to he demolish. Runs such an intense system, man. It's just like oh, it's wild, man. People are buying their way through stuff. They're throwing up buildings left, right, and center. Then they're like, oh, we did too many, so we're tearing them back down. They're just manipulating it. Like they're literally playing like SimCity. Like when this is what you do in SimCity. Like sit, oh, SimCity's yeah. going to shit, and you're like, oh crap, cut Tear these things, down. cut these, cut these things, throw yeah. people in jail. Like you're just like, it's literally that, but it's real life. And like you talked about, like it is. The definition of wasteful wasteful spending, like all of this money that was invested in there, I mean, and now they're going to turn it to rubble. It's almost three thousand apartments total. Basically, seems they're eliminating debt. This is where they're yeah yeah, and then um, valued at over a billion dollars. 
and they're just going to knock one, that, it all down. That one, that one, one, that one project. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what they're having to do to prop up their dying economy. They've also started to cut rates. Oh, they, they've been cutting rates, which is counter to literally the rest of the world uh, because they're trying to get consumers out there confident. But you can understand that consumers aren't confident. Can you imagine being a homeowner right now that, say, has a half-completed project that you've been paying a mortgage on? Because we talked about in a previous episode, you pay a mortgage on this place before it's even built, sometimes years before it's built, mm-hmm. and now they're running around tearing some of them down? If I was in China, I'd be buying land. Contrary play, it's time to buy. Oh, my gosh. When everyone's running... And they're doing this, and they're giving it away, and they're tearing shit down. You got to get in there, because at some point, China's not messing around. They're gonna get to the point where the inventory is back to normal, and things are popping off. Well, they aren't afraid to do the hard, unpopular things out there, and and people may not like that comment, but um, we kind of you know dance around the subject, and we do these kind of half measures. They go extreme over there, so you know they're gonna go extreme. If they have to tear down, you know, a hundred thousand buildings. They'll probably do it, yeah. uh, rightly or wrongly. They have plans for 75 million people, apartments to go down. How many? So the homes for 75 million people. So they maybe back that's two 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 people per home. So maybe 35 million apartments are going to come down. Holy man! So they're going to be they're going to be tearing down for a bit. And that is the second biggest weeks, economy so. in the world, and our second biggest trading partner. So that matters. It matters. Yeah. yeah. And our biggest trading partner. China is tearing down tower blocks and pausing construction on buildings that could house 75 million people. Crazy. That's twice of Canada. That's all of Canada's real estate just demolished. Man. Man, that's wild. That's wild. Thanks for listening to this point. Do not forget, please, to like and follow and subscribe. We got that big promotion on. If we hit 100 likes, someone's getting 100 bucks and a free month on Patreon. But now we're going to switch. We're going to talk about the uh, student debt forgiveness down the States. It's a big topic. It could impact us here in Canada if they kind of bring the same idea up here. I know there's going to be a lot of people lobbying for that. And then we go in to talk about what's going on uh, in the market and what our predictions are for the rest of this year, what some experts are saying, and whether or not we agree with that. The one I'm interested in, and I think is really neat that we're going to talk about now, is student debt forgiveness in the States. Well, yeah, speaking of like uh, trying to sort out massive hemorrhaging debt. We'll talk um, about Canada at the end. We have like our interest in why we think Canada's Q4 may stay alive. Yeah. But let's talk about this really quick, because I think this is an interesting one. Yeah, this has been huge in the news. Um, and of course, it's happening in, in our neighbor to the south, so it's, it's going to trickle in and get some people thinking here in Canada. Um, Biden had promised this during his campaigning that there was going to be debt relief uh, for student loans, and it has been passed. So it's going to be um, uh, $10,000 worth of loan forgiveness on student debt um, for people out there that are earning less than 125 k and upwards of 20,000 people for, um, for individuals who um, got this certain type, I think it's called a Pell Grant, uh, that was more for um, lower income applicants to begin with, and they'll get twenty thousand dollars. They're also going to pa- cap. Let's pause for a quick second because there's yeah. like a million things he's putting into play. Uh, one thing I want to say, just so everyone's aware, this is student debt, and in the U.S., yeah. there's forty-five million people carrying student debt, including senior citizens. It goes across the entire range for a total value of one point six trillion dollars. I'll go a little further, including dead people, because your student debt sur- survives your death. Including dead people. One third of the people with student debt never finish their degree because they didn't have enough money to get through the process and it was just right. continuing on. Hmm. 16% of them are in default. 
Cheaper. Cheaper. People basically going bankrupt okay. and they are carrying their student debt. It's not necessarily directly caused by that, but it's a contributing factor. So these are this is how big of an issue it is in the States. It's an issue here in Canada as well, but in the States it is way, way higher just because I think simply the fact of the cost of education there is like probably about five times what it is in oh, Canada. Oh, man, it's insane. Like I was talking to um, this client who worked at the University of Miami, and this is my ignorance when it comes to the American University market, which is crazy. He said that something like forty to fifty thousand dollars US to go to the University of Miami for a year. Oh yeah, that's and I was crazy at all. it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, is it's that just crazy. tuition? There's probably more to, for like living and stuff like that. Like it's yeah, I guess I got to work on my football scholarship. But, but yeah, you so to what to what you're saying? Then like Biden is now trying to come up with things to help get people through this and and figure out ways because they've said student debt's one of the biggest crises that they face in the states. Um, and so some of these things that like you're saying, well, I'll let you continue, is what he's putting into place to try and help this issue that they're facing. And then, yeah. So basically, if, you, if you're books. making less than 125k a year, you get uh, $10,000 relief. Uh, there's certain applicants who actually are going to get $20,000 relief. It's also capping student loans at 5%. Uh, and there's a moratorium currently on them that's being extended to December 31st. So this is going to take an estimated like 33%. Of the people who have student loans, it's believed that this ten thousand dollars will actually get them down to zero dollars owing. So thirty-three percent of the people on student debt, this could take them right down to zero. Forty-three million people will be affected, like as you mentioned, and then about half the people um, that this debt, that this this one-time contribution of ten or twenty thousand dollars, will get their uh, remaining student debt paid off by about half, right? So like this is a pretty significant. Um, reduction in student debt, uh, and it works out to be about $2,000 per American because yep. there has been some pushback on it, which is that this is coming from tax dollars, right? Everything comes from somewhere, so this is coming from uh, you know tax revenue, government spending. Um, and I'm trying to figure out exactly how I feel about it because I wonder, like, if I was someone who just finally paid off my student debt last year, um, or someone who made one hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars a year, I would kind of be like, "Are you, are you kidding me?" Fifth contract, you know. Um, but you seem you seem for it. I, I am for it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're always concerned about like people who are going to get missed out on things, you'll never be able to do them. The world continues to improve point. consistently on every single front, <clears throat> and unfortunately, not everyone's going to be able to get the stuff. It's like I already look at like your kids, and I'm like, they're going to get to experience super cool stuff that I may never have gotten the opportunity to like. And like, I mean, technology wise, <laughs> yeah. I look at like sure. yeah. gaming, it just started for me and it kind of sucked. Now I look at it and I'm like, metaverse stuff looks like unreal. Like that would have yeah. been insanity as a kid. Um, and so like, there's, it's, there's just so many things. So like on this same thing, same of, with yeah. the taxes. And like, I look at like, Previous generations had the option to do zero percent down and buy buildings and different stuff like that. Like yeah, but someone literally, like you know, someone maybe busted their butt and either one didn't take on student loans and maybe had other reper reper repercussions because of that, right? Totally. Like maybe they had to work three jobs for you know five or six years to not have student loans. They're not getting ten thousand or twenty thousand bucks. Or maybe someone you know aggressively paid theirs down and was a great saver and was really like practical and, and sacrificed. I, I and feel I, I don't this. I'm not saying I don't feel for those people. I'm just saying at the end of the day, like if you you always when you put in, there's always gonna be some people that don't get the benefit that should have gotten the benefit. But when, when yeah. you're dealing with three hundred million people, forty five million people being affected by this, like whenever you put any policy in place, there's gonna be people who like really maybe don't even deserve it 
and they're going to win from it. And there's going to be people who totally deserve it and somehow don't qualify. Yeah. And and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Um, But let's also look in the States, it's something like 35 to 40% of people get a, you know, go to university. Yeah. Right. So that means there's still 60 to 65% of the population in the US that's like, yo, we're struggling out here too. Right. And, you know, Maybe we couldn't have even afforded to go to university. I would have gone if I'd known you just let me go for free. Because, man, the, you know, university tends to be, um, you know, something that, unfortunately, more affluent people, you know, mm-hmm, get mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. to experience. Uh, it's also, you know, it's disproportionately liberal. Like, it's, it's all these things. Um, and again, this is me playing devil's advocate. There's a lot of people struggling out there who maybe didn't go to university and they aren't getting $10,000 towards their debt because they may have visa debt. Like, you tell me there aren't people out there that, you know, had to take on other yeah. arguably worse debt. Yeah, well, um, there's also training and stuff that you can do that's not necessarily classified as specific education. Like, yeah. I'm sure, like, a realtor's course or, like, different... There's different professions and trades that wouldn't necessarily qualify for uh, student loans that they've spent money on that they wouldn't qualify for. it. I, I, I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying, I guess. My thing is, is they're going if a, the large percentage... Right, and I think there's going to be twenty percent in any of these kind of policies that are going to get impacted in a way that kind of is not—it's not negative, but it could, basically, I guess, it could be looked at as a negative thing. And you know, all these people who all the time say, "Oh, you know, we can't remove, like, we, we can't give people a discount on gas or power because all those companies are going to do is just raise their prices by the exact amount of the discount." So there's all these memes floating around where, like, the you know, someone's taking a picture of a bunch of people laughing, and it's like all the universities in the U.S. when they raise their tuition by ten thousand dollars, right? Because yeah. the universities be like, "Man, we don't that's care." The one, that's you want to forgive thing. that loan? Cool, as long as we got the money to begin with. And I've talked about this. This was on a long podcast ago. Like, I was a professional student for a while, and I've become slightly disillusioned with this idea that we sell our young people that university is the be-all and end-all because that's what all these kids were sold on that they had to go to university and so they had to take on this debt and now you know interestingly years later those same people are struggling um and you know they're paying taxes and now those debts are going to be forgiven but maybe those people would rather university have been free in the first place or that maybe they would have rather that the government didn't hammer them on this debt that basically society told them they had to take on because those people have the 10,000 bucks now that's awesome but how many of them couldn't save for a house right yeah. and wish that they had gotten this relief say 5 6 7 10 years ago when they would have been able to purchase a home you don't maybe sound very get thankful. married no, I'm just saying, like... They could also just not put the policy in at all and not make any effort to do anything, and then you could just never get the $10,000. It's sort of like, man, we're going to make you sick, and then we're going to give you the cure, and you're going to thank us for the cure. Uh, I mean, they didn't necessarily make you sick, because you made the decision to go. And I understand that nowadays you but need to go. the idea you had to, like, why do you need... Yeah, anyway, Why do you need to like, go? Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, the, the governments are going to incentivize going because it benefits the country, because it allows them to do more research and development, and it educates their population, so they work at a higher level. They're more efficient. They do better jobs. They, like, they're better as a country as a whole. So if that's true, why do they also need to um, hammer them on the interest rate? If it, if it genuinely has all these that's, benefits, like then why are they hammering them on the interest rate to begin with? The interest rate one, that's one that I, I agree with. That It's kind of tough. Like The student loans, potentially, they just make them so that they're completely free and you just got to repay them. Yeah. But it's also a weird one of like, yeah, like I'm thinking that in my head, like if you're paying, basically because 
you're paying fifty thousand dollars. It's not all just going towards the prof and the course. It's going to a lot of back end R and D that those people are doing, where that money is being spent, and things that might not directly benefit you. I for don't a know. Very most mo- time, most major universities in the states, their R and D is sponsored by things like pharmaceutical companies or special interest groups. It's not tuition going to fund that R and D. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked here. I think philosophically, it's hard to find fault with this idea. Um, debt forgiveness, especially when it comes to things like education, just seems to make sense. Obviously, you got to think um, this is some sort of form of relief here. It's coming to Canada because, or there's going to be pressure. We don't have nearly the issue, though. That's true. Not we, we nearly the issue. Like, I think we have issues in other places. I don't think they're going to do it. Like, student debt's not something here that I hear people being like, I am crippling, like, I'm with crippling student debt and all that. I don't think it's nearly as common because our cost, know, is, our cost is that. a fraction of, of what, like, well, it just plain and simple. Our, our cost is probably about a quarter, if not less, of what their education yeah. system costs. Yeah. So if you take the dollar amounts and you crush everyone's by a quarter, then yeah. it's going to be a lot less, and a lot more people are going to be able to get it paid off. Um, just, man, this is why, like, student debt is a big part of the reason why people don't buy homes as early. It's a big part of the reason people don't get married and start families as early. And debt, that's it, totally. Yeah. The one thing, the other thing that they're, they're I was going to add in there that they are talking about doing now is cutting the loan payments in half from. Right now, it's ten percent of discretionary income. They're talking about cutting okay. it to five percent. A little bit of an interesting one because oh, that's like, I think what that cap is. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one for me because I'm like, you're kind of just going to drag out the payment. Then still, um, they're also going to raise the amount of income that's considered non-discretionary, so that you have to pay even less. Which again, it just continues to drag that out. Um, for for uh, what is it called? Uh, community colleges right now, after twenty years, once your loan balance is less than twelve thousand dollars, they will forgive the loan balance. They're looking to cut mm. that to ten years. Um, and then this <laughs> one—it just kind of goes back to like, so where'd the money come from to begin with? Like, it's just all imaginary money. It's kind of it funny. all is, yeah, exactly. This is, imaginary this is all yeah. imaginary money. They—that's all right. That's it's all imaginary. It's just numbers. We just move some numbers around, and now we're gonna say those numbers are gone now. The problem that's weird is I'm like, I feel like the kind of idea of even having the money there is to give some people some like put some value on it, create some importance on it. But I think a lot of people go and don't really think that. Like when I was in university, I feel like tons of students run or on huge debt based. Mm. Uh, huge loans and debt-based systems and they're trying to four year and they're still just going crazy with it and i'm Mm. like i don't think the idea of like putting a loan on this is making anyone really like there's some people that are like man i got a huge loan here like i'm not messing around for business i'm here for business i'm getting this done i gotta get this paid off and move on with my life but i feel like the majority of the population is not thinking that when they're in there the last one that i felt uh better about was covering the borrower's unpaid monthly interest uh, so right now, I feel like it, the interest is stacking with on itself. Right. And so they're going to remove that where the interest doesn't end up stacking. So if you don't make the full payment, your interest doesn't go on there. And then you're paying interest on interest that you didn't pay. Because then you can, yeah, your, your loan yeah. balance yeah, just yeah. continues to grow. If you, yeah. if you start falling behind, then yeah. you're just physically impossible to ever get ahead. Which again, like I always, I, I've said that from the outside. I don't understand why government is trying to like hammer their own young people on, on these student debt things. Right. Like, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I, this is a big digression. Obviously, we're, we're not really in the practice of, of talking about this sort of political stuff that much. We we're but talking about more of the debts and the, the concept. Yeah, like of this like is relevant to, to young people who, I mean, man, some of those people, they could go back in time and say, yeah, 10 years ago, I wish I sort of just took that money and bought, like, I don't know, three properties instead. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. But I mean, yeah. Depends where you are. One Otherwise, of my, if you're in China and you bought three properties and they're tearing it down right now, you wouldn't be so happy. Man, a good buddy of mine, one of the smartest guys I know, he started his real estate empire. And I say an empire because he hit 130-odd doors pretty damn quickly. Um, He's talking about me. His partner was in med in, uh, was doing some sort of postgraduate work and was eligible for a $40,000 student loan every year that they didn't have to pay a dime on until two years after she graduated. And the one condition was 
If you used it, we'll give you another one. So every year, they took the $40,000, bought a property. Every That's year. Sweet. I knew yeah. who a, uh, there was a guy at Dow when this whole uh, pump and dump happened with, what was it, AMC or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he yawsed his, his student line of credit on there, and he made like a $1.2 million or something Ooh. crazy. Yeah, on the whole uh, GameStop, everything. Uh, I was like, man, what a what a ballsy one to just that max out your student one. line of credit, and then it like if it didn't hit, like you're like, it's like ah, <laughs> yeah, now I got a full max out line of credit, and I'm two years into med school, so I'm screwed. Yeah, but anyways, um, let's get into why yeah. the experts are saying that Canada is going to continue moving along hunky-dory. Yeah, before we do that, I just wanted to send a little reminder if you're bouncing around uh, or if you're you're just kind of joining us late here, please don't forget to like. Uh, we are going to do that um, $100 and a free month of Patreon for for one lucky person if if we hit 100 likes. So we got to hit 100. Appreciate the support. If you could pop over on YouTube, depending on how you're listening to this, and give a like, we really appreciate it. And now... You know, this is relevant to everyone because I think most people who listen to the show are involved in real estate in one form or the other. Um, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. There's a lot of uncertainty at the least. But you've come across some things where some experts are saying fourth quarter, you know, the Canadian market is not going to crash the way maybe some people are expecting. And there's some experts kind of lining up on that side of the margin. Uh, unpack that for me. Yeah. So they gave three reasons on why they believe that it's not going to crash. Um, and like the number one thing right off the hop, and we've talked about it a bunch, we've talked about this all, all over the place, but interest rates, and yes, they're up, but basically what they're saying is we were getting stress tests before. We've all we've been getting stress tests for years, and those are designed to qualify people at these higher rates. Now, it doesn't mean that people necessarily want to be sitting at these higher rates, but it does say that they can still service their debt at the higher rate. Additionally, like everyone's like, well, yeah, it's gone up, let's say more than 200 basis points. Um, it's not everyone that one percent. Like a bunch of people came into this at two and a half, three and a half percent. Totally, to begin I knew with. plenty of people that were th- pumped to lock in at like two point six five, three point one. Those are some. So there's a ton know. of renewals that are coming up that they're going from mm. three point one to four, four and a quarter, and it's like that. That's a bump. It's definitely a bump, but it's not as bad as... Well, some, some of those people are locked in for five years, first of all. And anyone I mean. who locked in pre-pandemic, I mean, if you got a really good rate in like 2008 or, two, or 2018 or 2017, yep. what was like a really good rate back then? I don't know. Yeah, three and a half, 3.69. Yeah, like that was a really good rate that you were locking into. Um, and so that blip, that change, isn't that material. The other thing is, man, we talked about this before. It's something like of like 67% of home of, of Canadians like own a home. But of all the people that own a home, 35% of them have no mortgage at all. Right? Mm. So like one third of Canadians out there that you know own a home, one third of the homes on the street that in your neighborhood doesn't even have a mortgage. Okay, personal question. Yeah. Do you have a mortgage on your house? Do I have a mortgage on my house? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um no totally I I've got a mortgage on my house, of course. Yeah. Um and then it's something like of the remaining, which is the 65% of the people that do have mortgages, it was always around 75% of them that were on a fixed product. Probably because of what's happened the last couple of years, it's more like 65 70% of them are on a fixed product. Mm-hmm. So that means 30 to 40% of people, uh, at most, of the people that have a mortgage uh, are exposed to these variable increases. So that is a small, small percentage. That's about... I don't know, less than a third of the people who have a house are actually on a variable product and could be impacted by this. 
Yeah. Right. So it's not the amount that people like, oh my gosh, every homeowner in Canada is experiencing this. It's like, no, that's just not true. Number two. <laughs> All right. The other reason we're getting back, you know, and Neil's sugars were low, so he's Woo! hammering some Oreos. These here. are good. Interesting fact: Oreos are vegan. Yeah, for our vegan listeners, both of them out there. Mm, shout out, shout um, out. Yeah. Oreos are vegan. Shout out to the wife. <laughs> yeah, if you're vegan, hit the like button. Uh, uh, second reason. So the first reason the market's not going to collapse as much as maybe people are thinking is because there are some built-in protections from a rate standpoint. One, most people aren't on a variable product at all. Um, two, they've been stress tested. And there's you know there's some truth to the stress test thing or not because... In, in the major markets where people are being stress tested, they've got co-signers. So you're not just stress testing the individual and their ability to pay month to month. You're stress testing their whole friggin' family. Um, you know, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't buy the stress test argument as much as I, I buy the fact that most people don't have a variable rate mo- mortgage. Yeah. Uh, what's num- reason number two? Number two, demand. Unlike China, where they have an extra hundred million houses, if not more. Yeah, they have. Excess we are supply. short by millions of homes. Uh, and we're continuing every year to be like, we need, let's say we need a million houses. Well, we're only, we only have starts for 700,000. And we've been continuing down that cycle yep. for a long time. And everyone's seeing that. Everyone knows that. There's a reason that rents are skyrocketing. That is the reason that prices are continuing to rise. Well, at this point, they've slowed the rise, but I feel like they're starting to come back again. And that's what's caused the rise is, is this inventory thing. So he's saying, with that going on and continued immigration, this is something that's going to stabilize the prices and they're going yeah. to stay because maybe maybe they won't continue to skyrocket because the cost to buy is more but like we've talked about before people aren't going to just start giving away houses because they need somewhere to live like where are they going to go i think also you know we talk about this all the time everyone when they talk about real estate the only thing they seem to want to talk about is vancouver and toronto and even if you go Halifax? even if you go into the nuance of those areas the core areas are still pretty strong. What seems to be getting hit are the peripheral suburban sprawl places that went through the roof. These are seeing the biggest increases in the country. Um, and yeah, now they are pulling back. But the stuff right in the core is still really strong. The other thing you're seeing is maybe like some condo market uh, softening because a lot of those were landlords on variable products. And now, yeah, they're trying to get rid of, of some of that stock. But if you still want to live in the core in those markets, which are the markets being hardest hit, the, the demand support for pricing there is still pretty strong. Um, and then if you go to other parts of the country, you know, they didn't have the boom. And, and you know, while things are softening, um, you know, they're not softening near as much as what you're seeing in some of these areas, which is like 20 to 25 percent declines. Right. Like you might see a 5 percent here, a 7 to 10 somewhere else. But the big numbers that the media loves, like the 20 to 25, that's in periphery. You know, these suburbs of Toronto and, and uh, you know, the Fraser Valley area, B.C., I'm going to come at you with some contrary feels here. Okay. Because a lot of people are going to be like, Yo, you guys are screaming doom and gloom. And I'm not going to say agreeing with this. I'm saying this with what experts are saying. Um, and this is just my concern. It's something we were just chatting about before we turned the mics on. But they're now saying that Canada is, well, so we're having all this housing crisis. So on a short term, we're having a housing crisis, ton of immigration, things are going nuts. On a little bit longer term, they're saying we're expected to hit up to maybe 75 million people in Canada by 2068 when the original was 100 million people by 2100. So if you're at 74 million by 2068, like we're going to surpass well over 100 million by 2100. Is that supposed to make housing cheaper or? No. Okay, I was going to say. Well, that's going to continue to push prices up. But my point is, is that governments are going to start to look at this and they're going to be like, hmm, 
maybe we should relax on the immigration. Oh, I see what you're saying. And so they're saying yeah. right now, yeah, everything's great. Demand's continuing because immigration continues to rise. And right now the government's saying, yeah, we're going to continue with immigration. But BOC also said we're going to continue with low rates. And look what they did. So things have to change. And so at some point they're going to start slowing the immigration dial. And that's like my biggest concern with all this. And like everything's dandios. But anyways, this is in the back what? of my head. Everything is birthday cake Oreo. Get out of my face. Everything is dandios? <laughs> Okay. This is this is, what <laughs> this is this is I'm gonna show it to my mom. She's listening to this. She's definitely the one who said that. I've gotten that from her. Okay. But I like it. Real talk. My that's my one concern with You're all this. You're concerned that okay because that immigration three, at some point they're gonna park it because if you just if no one yeah. locally can get an apartment and they're two and a half grand right. apiece. Yeah, yeah. So and reason three that some of these experts though are saying that the market is gonna have resiliency and isn't gonna crash the way people think is because of demand and immigration, right? No, number three is employment. Oh, okay. So the job demand is through the roof. Okay. Everyone, like we were talking about as we came in here, the ferry. We have a ferry locally here in Halifax. Yeah. They had to cut some of their like times because they literally can't get people to drive. And you mentioned you had somebody who joined uh, the transit service here, and yeah, they're working what sixty hours a he's week. He's brand new, and they joined. were like, "Man, like he's like had to ask for them to not book him for sixty hours a week." Yeah. So there's a yeah. ton of I've seen a ton of restaurants here that have reduced hours, are like not offering products. Uh, multiple stores that are shutting down again reduced hours not shutting down completely but reduced hours hmm. because they can't get the people to keep the places open and run and you look into this those are good paying jobs man when you oh, hit yeah. the overtime like we're talking 80,000 a year it would be more to be you know to, to be running the ferry totally the, if I, I bet if you're doing the ferry and you're working overtime like you're north of 100 grand easy construction easy. companies can't get people to work at them any business you start in, in any of these Canadian cities right now you're inundated yeah. with a ton of demand um, and so what they're saying is that's propping things up because people are able to keep charging more and making more money. Which concerns me about the inflation front. And we're, you know, this this episode's going to air, I think, around first week of September. Um, you know, we're going to have the inflation numbers for July probably by or for August, probably mid-September. Bank of Canada meets on September 6th, if I recall. Right. So I'm, I'm curious because you're right. Unemployment is still super, super low. Prices are still feeling some upward pressure. So I don't know. Like a, I don't, We'll see what this yields for I'd be inflation. curious to see what the unemployment number looks like relative to how many unfilled job positions there are. Right. Like, like I think there's a lot could, of people... It could even be lower could, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. honestly, because mm, I, I think yeah. a lot of people could probably be working in some of these positions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird time. So anyways, they're saying that that's strong job growth, which would, in, on the flip side, mean they need more immigrants. Mm -hmm, right. And so mm -hmm. honestly, my, the other part of me, and I think the stronger part of me believes that they're going to do stuff to spur construction. That's going to be, I think, I their think biggest so too. push. That, that, that's coming down they the pipeline. Need to put in, they're putting more incentives in. CMHC made a lot of great programs. but you're And then it got undercut by the freaking interest rate. So exactly. You're, went, you're seeing it's not enough because yeah. all the big guys pulled out and said, like, look, great. Our, our FCI programs, all these different programs to help us build. Still not enough yeah. to give us the stability and the cost cuttings that we need to get these yeah. things up. Um, and so I think, like like we just said, they're, they're going to come up with something to, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I, I don't see the government building the stuff themselves. It'll be fixed low rates is what it'll be. It'll be like, yeah. You think? And they'll have Maybe to. longer AMs, 50-year AMs? Well, that was already out there. That's already out there. Yeah, but 100-year AMs? They have that in a lot of places. Crazy. A lot of places crazy. in Europe have 100-year AMs. Yeah. So a few reasons that maybe the market's going to still be strong. I mean, talking here in Halifax, I've still seen a lot of strength. Um, last week, 40% of the properties still traded above asking price. Noteworthy, though, that was down from about 50% the week before. Mm -hmm. And the average... At a peak of like 80%. Yeah. Oh, it was, at, at its peak, it was like 90%. Um, and the average sale price relative to ask 
99.5, which is actually okay. under 100. Last yeah, week it was just over 100. Yeah, we've been over 100 for a while. We've been yeah. over 100 for almost three years. Um, so things are still slowing. That's a little aggressive. But still, if you look at that, you know, by any other measure, that's insane. Like oh, people yeah. ask, like, oh, how's the market? I hear it's slowing down. I'm like, yeah, it's still the third craziest market ever in the history of the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So there's still a lot of strength there. Yeah, we, we had but. a bunch of listings this week that had multiple offers, and yeah. No, yeah. we did good. Um, so what do you got personally going on? Uh, personally, um, man, just like uh, plugging away at those units. No one else um, I, I think I've mentioned a bunch of times that I've got 16 units under renovation right now. Uh, I've started ordering countertops and appliances, which is always a good sign because it means you're getting close to the end on a couple of the units. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, that 12-unit building that I closed on a few weeks ago, um, that has started to vacate, which is awesome. People are leaving, and it's going well, and um, it's it's you know, I'm going through that process pretty smoothly. Um, but now I'm like, oh yeah, that's more vacant units that are costing me money and not bringing in money. And that I don't even know if I can turn my attention to start renovating them right now. I was kind of like, okay, with some of those people lingering a bit longer because I'm not even going to be able to address their units in quite some time. So, uh, and then I'm signing mortgage commitments for, um, that other part, uh, purchase, um, that, that, parceling of, of a bunch of different parceling. properties um and uh i'm really excited about that uh so that's what's going on with me man you got your new mkr business card yes got the new mkr business card the realty group's going well <laughs> crushing it um oddly enough i know i've been on pause for a long time i wrote two offers for myself this week Look which at you is go. a big thing i'm back in the market I'm not Neil's gonna single-handedly save the real estate market. I got this, everybody. Yeah, it's okay. Offers all over town. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking for. I'm looking for a couple different things, but I think I've talked about. It. I had some refis and cleaning up a bunch of stuff, and so can't help myself. I feel like the second the cash hits the account, I'm like, mm, I can buy four x what's in here because yeah. it's also you know, gonna it's help support the down. boat and luxury vehicle market yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Those are also in the works. I have some cool cars coming, hopefully. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so I, I wrote an offer on, it was just a house, but it was in a great zoning area. So I was like, you know what? I want to try and get this. Oh yeah. yeah a completely unconditional corridor. offer yeah. with a deposit ready to go. I got beat within probably eight hours of it listing. Yeah. Um, the other one I wrote on was a building close to other stuff that I have. Um, and I offered him way more than I'm honestly feeling great about, but I just, it makes sense for me because it's on the same street, that one. Yeah, and mm. so I made an offer there. I'm waiting to hear back on that. Um, and then I'm looking at some commercial stuff. Uh, How many I... doors is that? I'm not answering that question, Chandler. He's not answering because he gave me crap <laughs> about buying a six-unit building. Also, don't outstretch your arms. We're going to get copyrighted for Yeah, <laughs> how dare you point. Pointing is also a copyrighted. It's um, six units, but it touches two oh, of my properties. It has nothing to do with the amount of units. It's the fact that it literally touches... Two of my properties, and is across the street from another one of my properties. It's in the middle of the wedge, but anyways. So working on that. Thanks, yep. Chandler. Good luck. With um, it. Next time you buy a single-family home, it's in the <laughs> development area. I'll be like, yeah, what's the point? Um, but uh, so there's that, and then I'm working on some commercial stuff. Like I said, once I get those under contract or maybe firmed up, I'll explain to you guys what I'm trying to do there. But the commercial ones, as much as I'm like, oh, I want to make a switch into commercial and kind of make this change, I'm feeling more nervous than ever because I'm like, well, if rates go up or the economy does slow. Then I'm really relying on all these businesses to stay alive. Commercial is... Shop and I'm like, you're good. I know you will be here forever. Commercial is amazing when it's rented, and it is disastrous 
disastrous when it's vacant. That that's my thing. Like if this it's goes this goes empty, like what am I what am I going to do? But yeah. the pizza shop takes six percent of the space in the building, so like. They're, um, they're, 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 they're going to be stable, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to take. Man, also you realize if you have a great tenant, right? Realize that every other landlord that has a vacancy within a half mile radius of you is going to try to poach that tenant. Like go downtown, man, and look how many of them just poach each other's major law firms every five years. Oh, we renovated our building. We're going to poach them. We renovated ours. We're going to poach them back. That's all that happens. And like I had a client, we were looking at an amazing. Uh, property and it was amazing because it had the best tenant in the town, the best tenant in the town, like federal money, you know, Crown Corp, like like not moving anywhere. And we found out that they had already looked at a possible move, and someone else was trying to get them over there. Another landlord was trying to get them over, and it kind of freaked us out because they hadn't signed an extension. There was two years left, and you know, you take literally the best thing about a place. And put it in jeopardy. And then through discussions, we also found that like the little mom and pop operation in the lower level, she was trying to get out of her lease too. So it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, how easy is it going to fill to be to fill those spaces in a secondary market? This is going to be a learning experience. The other thing is, this is in a growing area where there's going to be new commercial buildings coming up in the area. And part of me is like, yep. is that good because it's going to bolster my rent mm-hmm. rate, or? Is it going to be that I'm going to have tenants that want to bounce to the next mo- nicest looking building? Again, they're if get you're more the leasing agent for that new company, aren't you going to every single one and saying, we'll get for $2 more square foot, you get a brand new building? Mm. Right? Like, I don't know. That's what I'd do. But For a pizza shop, it's not as concerning. He's going to stay. Yeah. Sign yeah. him on a 20-year. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's what I got going slices. on. I'm back making offers. Once I get a deal on the table, I will let everybody know, and you guys can check it out. Awesome. Um, and we started putting spreadsheets on the Patreon. So take a look at that. This first yeah. one was a super high level one. I just wanted to kind of, we wanted to break into it. But like I've said a bunch of times on that video, we're going to break it down way more. And so if you're just getting into the game, if you start watching those, honestly, we should be able to get you from start to finish on a project uh, if you follow all the videos in there and you will know what you're doing. So take a peek. And uh, I'd say, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Check out us next, uh, next time, conspiracy episode. Boom. We'll meet more Oreos. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.